In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we all want to go, we all want to go to heaven. We all want to go to paradise after the separation of our soul from our body. At least, I mean, theoretically, that's the goal, right? That we all, that we all come to enjoy uh, God's presence and his consolation and his peace and communion with him, everlasting communion with him. That's the goal. And Jesus tells us today in the gospel that he would offer to us, he would offer to us even now and today, not just at some point in the future, but today to all of those who come to him and receive him in faith, he would offer them the beginning of that heavenly life right now. That heaven and the, the joy of communion with God and the joy of his consolation are not things that are just reserved for some future time, for after we die. Jesus says, he says, whoever, he says, if anyone thirsts, if anyone thirsts today, let him come to me today and drink. And he is saying this about his Holy Spirit that he gives to us freely. He says, he says in the Old Testament, the same Christ is speaking in the Old Testament and says in the, in the reading for today from Isaiah and says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come and buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. And then he asks us, why do you spend your money, your time, and your attention, and your energy? Why do you spend all of that for that which is not true bread, for that which passes away? Why do you spend your labor for that which ultimately cannot satisfy? Jesus wants to remind us today, and we need to hear him saying to us, he wants to remind us that this body and life is not all that there is, and that he would promise us and he gives us now even more. Our life in this body begins when we are conceived, and it ends when our soul is separated from our body. But Jesus is talking about something deeper, something that is actually and truly the life that God wants to give us. He's talking about the life that he gives us from his spirit. Our spiritual life, our spiritual life, the life that continues forever, begins when we come to Jesus, as he says here, come to me. And for most of us, that begins most definitively at our baptism. And that life, that life that he gives to us, he says, he says, uh, he says, whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So that, that, that spirit that Jesus gives to us, it continues to flow in us and grow in us throughout our, throughout our life, throughout our participation in God's word and in his mysteries and in his sacraments. And that life, it, it doesn't end, but it reaches its kind of tipping point when our soul and our body are separated at the end of our, of our earthly lives, 
And yet it continues and it continues and it reaches its fulfillment. Your life, the life that God has given to you, reaches its fulfillment, reaches its goal when our bodies are raised from the dead and our bodies are made to fully participate in that life of God and our bodies become glorified and transformed and released from all of the bondage to decay that we experience in ourselves and, and we in our bodies and our souls on the last day and forever after experience when all the righteous experience the fulfilling, unending communion with God in the new creation. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, come to me, everyone who is thirsty, let him come, let him come and drink. And what he gives us to drink now, the experience of that life now, comes to us as his grace is poured into us and offers us the cleansing of our conscience by his blood, cleansing of our conscience from, from the guilt of our sins and also from the shame that the sins of others have made us unclean with. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, says the scripture. The sins we have committed and the sins that have been committed against us. And also in place of our fear, this spirit that Jesus gives us to drink in place of that fear, the spirit gives us the promise that even, even the worst, we will survive. Even the worst that can be done to us, we do not need to fear because we will survive it and we will beat it and our, and, it, and our life cannot, our true life cannot be taken away from us. And in place of our righteous or unrighteous frustrations and angers, he promises us, he promises us by his spirit that someday it will all be set right. The things that we are frustrated about, the small and the great injustices that we see and experience, all of this will be put right. All of this will be taken care of. And in place of our sadness, he promises us, he promises us in a way that our minds cannot yet fully wrap themselves around. He promises us that what we have gained in him, when it reaches its fulfillment, will more than compensate for what we have lost. And we will be, and we will no longer experience the ache and the holes that are left in our, in our hearts and in our spirits for what we have lost. He is, able more, he is able to more than compensate for all that weighs us down and for all that we wish, we wish was still with us but is not. And I know, you know, it's a little... I'm going to talk about coming to church here real quick. And I realize there's a, there's a little bit of, you know, awkwardness about talking about the importance of coming to church to all of you fine people who actually got up this morning, put on your good clothes, 
and actually came to church. So, you know, it's like I'm sort of preaching to the choir, of course. But it's important for all of us, including the choir, to be reminded once in a while what the song is, so to speak, that we're supposed to be singing, okay? So Jesus, t- Jesus says to us, he says, whoever, whoever uh, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And in order to make that possible for us today, he has given us this church and this community and this baptism and this holy communion. That these things, he says, he says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And he says, he says when his apostles confess that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, he says to them, on this rock, on this confession, on this faith, I will build my church, my community, my assembly, my people. And after the Holy Spirit is given at Pentecost, the scripture says that, it says that they continued. They continued in the apostles' teaching. They continued in gathering together for fellowship and to break the holy bread and to drink the holy cup. And they continued to gather together for community prayer. This is, so this, this what we're doing is not arbitrary. It is not something that we invented. It's, we don't do it just because this is the most convenient way to do it until technology takes over and we can all sit at home in our pajamas and do it. Okay? This holy assembly, this way of doing things, is the way that Jesus himself has instituted. And this here today is what he means when he says, whoever is thirsty, let him come to me. Let him come into my church. Let him come into my assembly. Let him come to me and drink. For here in his body, the head gives the spirit. So what we're doing in obedience to the Lord's command, what we're doing is not arbitrary, it's not made up, and it is not, and it is indispensable to our spiritual life. To be separated from this communion and this community, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't mean, what it does mean is that to be separated from this brings into your life the threat, the real threat that you could be separated from this life that Jesus is talking about, that you could be separated from the life of God in Christ that he wants to give us. The last thing about this fulfillment that Jesus is promising us in the life of the world to come. When I was a kid, I think, there were, I think this may have happened more than once, but I can remember it once at least very distinctly. There was a Christmas where I was convinced that if I did not get this one thing, like life had no meaning after that. It was just, it was all downhill. Everything, all of my hopes, all of my happiness all of my pre-adolescent sense of well-being was riding on my belief 
that I could not be happy without this one thing, that this was the fulfillment that my soul craved. I think I even prayed for this one thing because I didn't completely trust my parents or Santa Claus or whoever to actually. (laughs) So I wanted God to make sure that he took care of this, getting this one thing. And of course, my parents, who probably still know me better than I know myself in some ways, they, in their wisdom, did not get me that one thing. But instead, I received something else that more than compensated for the lack that I was feeling in my soul and actually, actually, because my parents are wise people, just like our loving God knows you better than you know yourself and knows what you actually need, this thing that I received for Christmas actually is still with me today and is still a source of, you know, a little bit of joy and fulfillment once in a while. Jesus says, whoever thirsts, and this life does make us thirsty. As life goes on, the general rule is things don't work as well as they used to in our bodies. Scars form on our bodies and on our hearts and on our minds. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, whoever thirsts. But sometimes the thirst that we experience, the thing that we think we need from God, the thing that the, 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 the hole that fills our heart expresses itself in our sometimes our twisted kind of sinful ways, expresses itself as a desire, as a misguided desire. And God, like my parents, knows what you actually need. Your soul, whether you can articulate this or not, whether you can understand this or not, what you actually want is communion with your creator. What your soul actually wants is to be united deeply with the source of its life, who is God himself. And, you know, sometimes at a, at a funeral we will hear uh, very well-intentioned, very eloquent, and not completely inaccurate statements like, you know, Grandpa now gets to play golf forever in heaven. Isn't that great? Okay? And what, that, what we're trying to say when we say that is that Grandpa is fulfilled. But we should remember that Whatever joy grandpa got out of playing golf, however much he craved the first breezes of spring so that he could get out on to the links, whatever that was that he was craving, underneath that, our true, the true desire of our souls, the hole that is actually in our souls is a hole that wants to be united with its creator again. And Jesus by his death and resurrection for us, by his atonement for our sins, by, his, by the gift of his Holy Spirit, actually promises you 
what it is that you actually want. All of which is to say and to assure you that heaven will not be what you think it is, but it will not be disappointing. It's like when you wake up on Christmas morning and you find that your parents actually know you better than you know yourself. So also will it be for those who drink deeply of Jesus' spirit now and are fulfilled now by his, by his covering of our shame, by his atonement for our guilt, by his, by his quieting of our sadnesses and angers and anxieties today, as we are fulfilled by that in a small measure today, so also in the end, it will be completely fulfilled. You will lack nothing. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of this Holy Spirit, which, of which Jesus has given you to drink and now pours into your lives, by the power of this Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In Jesus' name, amen.